0: Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Kyle Ann Robertson is a girl who just jumps right in, fingers crossed, and goes for it all. She is a former physical therapist. She has a wonderful new novel out, and she's a writing coach. She's on her way to the Women Fiction Writers Association. She's deeply involved in the writing community, and I'm glad she took time today to come to the Storyteller's Microphone. Welcome, Kyle Ann. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's do what you do, which is jump right in, which I love that about you and your bio. So you started out being a physical therapist, and then you decided to have a second career. How did that happen?
1: Um, Well, when I retired after hand surgery, um, I could, you know, no longer really do the job that I knew I could do as, as in physical therapy. I was in a, uh, a PTA for 25 years, um, had a license in Florida and um, Massachusetts. And when I decided to retire, I wanted to get back into writing. I have written college, high school, elementary school. I published my first poem in a um, hospital newsletter that where my mom works. <laughs> but um. And I always journaled and I've journaled and I journaled. I taught journey, journal workshops. Um, also during, during my physical therapy career, I taught at a college for seven years and I taught neurology, kinesiology and um, modality labs plus the resource center I ran. So there was a lot of study, study skills involved. I use a lot of um, a, a lot of actually what I teach Um, In my creative writing class, um, I developed over the years of teaching college students to increase their study skills and be more efficient. So um, that got me more and more into writing and writing. And um, it's what I decided to do.
0: You love to write about family sagas and family stories that are heartfelt. Does that come from your personal background? I'd say
1: yes, but... um, but if my mom's listening, I don't know how she'd feel.
0: <laughs>
1: but no, no, no. We have um, I have four brothers and sisters. And and I was a Navy brat, which my character in my book is a Navy brat. And um, I think that. Um, have I'm very close to my brothers and sisters. And I think having a larger family where there's lots of, of miscommunication, misperception, um All in the name of love, but man, we managed to mess things up a lot, (laughs) you know, trying to do the right things. And I do think that families run into a lot of that by little white lies or protecting with a lie um, really doesn't pay off down the line.
0: Oh, I think that's so important. I always say families are funny places, you know, they're they with the best of intentions. They somehow get so off off center, if you will. You've written a novel called White Picket Fences. And I'd like you to address the wonderful, very brief, and I love this. Anytime we can capture a reader with something very brief, and it says, It doesn't matter where Julie Cahill was that fateful day, it mattered where she wasn't. And she'll never get her family back until she can forgive herself. That tells me so much in three short lines. Tell us more about White Picket Fences. Well, Julie had a moment,
1: and I'm sure there were many moments, but one moment where she was tired of being mom and missus for one day. She didn't tell her girlfriends where she went. She didn't tell her husband where she went, and she went. Um, And she took some time off for herself, just an afternoon. It just so happened to be an afternoon where there was a family tragedy and the rest of her family couldn't get a hold of her. And that guilt drives the rest of the book. So the book really isn't the story is not about the tragedy itself. It's about how Julie struggles to get her family back on the same page after the family, after the tragedy and how. She was kind of choking her. She had twin daughters and a husband, and her grip was so tight and trying to keep her family together in this white picket fence um, that she ends up driving them away. So I tried to be as honest as I could. Writing this book was all about for me saying, What if she really did run away? What if a mom could really throw the spaghetti in the sink and say, Eat it yourself? What if we could really do those things? And Julie struggles with that in her brain, um, you know, obviously doing the right things, but thinking of, and then finally one day she just has to, she makes a decision that she's going to go help. She can't help her them until she helps herself. Kind of the airplane mode, wait for the oxygen to drop so that you can help others. So, um, and so it's, it's really her journey and her daughter's journeys with her, um, and her husband's journey. Um, but it's her journey on how to deal with the rest of her life now that they're all adults, basically. So,
0: and we've all had those moments. If we could just walk away from what was in front of us, and what would the ramifications of that be? And, and you, you explore that in your book.
1: Yes, very much so. I think so. Yeah.
0: So this is your debut novel. And how, how has that been to be a debut novelist for you? It's been fabulous. Um,
1: It's been out five, almost six months now. And um, I have over 60 positive reviews (laughs) that like, um, and I think people are really relating to the feelings of being a mom and that frustration. And we don't really get to read about it. It's kind of an under, um, Represented the true mom, not the mom on the outside, but the mom on the inside, I feel, is a little underrepresented in some of our writings because it, it, I, I think reader, readers or maybe the industry or the world wants to see women as strong women. Well, we're all strong. But guess what? Doesn't mean we don't struggle. And that's kind of the point. <laughs>
0: Does that theme carry over into subsequent works that you're working on?
1: Yes, um, I actually have five books in different phases. Um, one's with a publisher now should be out the last week of November. Um, that, again, is about miscommunication, big time in a family, and I actually bring in another family, so there's miscommunications in that family and how, you know that all works out. Um, and in the following in the third book, they're not they're not. It started out as a series, um, but because I wanted to do different locations of where I've lived and um, different timelines, I broke them up. Um, and so the third one is once again about not telling one little thing at the beginning of a relationship and it was a mistake. Um, so um, and then on down the line. So it's, it's exactly what I write about.
0: Five books in the works. How do you how do you juggle that?
1: Well, the funny part is, is I do a creative writing course, basically on writer's block, which I don't have. You wonder why? <laughs> um, because I write, and what happens is sometimes I'll write, I'll be writing a scene, and I'm like, oh, Julie wouldn't say that. Oh, but Pamela would over here, and okay. I'll go to that notebook I have a desk, very long. <laughs> and I have my notebooks there. And um, it, people ask me if that's confusing. And it's like, no, I just get lots of ideas. And I, I want to see them out somewhere. So I drop them in a notebook. Um, so no, no, no. and And with having the same theme, keeps my brain kind of on the same track, I think.
0: It's scary, I think, sometimes to be inside a writer's head, isn't it?
1: I think so. It's, it is. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'll go off and write poetry if I can't get my head in the right place. You know, whatever.
0: Let's so. talk about your creative writing course. Uh, who do you offer that to? What do you cover? Well, it actually launches this week. Um,
1: I've been I've been teaching it in person one on one for about three years. It's called Embrace Your Muse. Um, and I what I take is mindset and um, inspiration. It's all about motivation and inspiration, I should say. It's like a mindset program on um, busting the myth of writer's block. And then we go into imposter syndrome and a few things like that later down the line. Um, We learn the science of creativity. I I am a mind and brain guru, not a guru. I won't say guru at all. I've always been interested in how the mind works since since I taught and now. Um, I'm very interested in that kind of stuff. So we will learn about your learning style. We learn about um, uh, the science of imagination, sorry. Um, And then we go to overcoming any of your particular hiccups in this. Because once you learn your learning style and you learn the types of imagination And we kind of go into the parts of the brains, but not a lot. But because you use so much of your brain Um, and then we can overcome um, any of the hiccups you have and get you creatively writing efficiently and confidently. It's about tapping into your muse faster. So I want to get people ready for NaNoWriMo in November. So I'll be holding a course. I think the first course is October 2nd. It starts and there'll be three Mondays.
0: And how Um, do people find out about it if they want to sign up with you?
1: Well, you can go to my website, com and sign up. Um, September 26th will be an introduction to let you know what the course is all about. And you can sign up for that course. And then I'll start shooting out information um, for the class on October 2nd. So, and do you
0: teach it via Zoom or is it a one-on-one yeah. kind of coaching? It's via Zoom.
1: Um, it's four modules um, and it's three modules, Discover, Embrace, and then Unleash and then um and then the fourth module is a one-on-one call with me and so i'll help you get through this i have a workbook i use a hexacon plan that i've always used for studying um to get people to follow their muse out to la la land and just keep going until those ideas start coming it's pretty fun i i have a ball with it in fact i say it's a seriously fun way to tap into your muse to enhance your writing skills <laughs>
0: Well, and you're certainly such a great example of it with the fact that you have so many books coming out. You earlier referenced that you were an army brat, and I've heard you say you wear that term proudly.
1: I do, I do. You know, um, we, as an, as an as a military brat, um, you serve the country too. I mean, I was born in Japan. I grew up in Thailand. Um, I came back to the United States, lived in Virginia Beach, and... Luckily for me, my father got sea duty, shore duty, sea duty, whatever, in Virginia Beach. I got to spend 10 years in Virginia Beach. But all my friends moved every two or three or four years. And so I was still part of that. I also, because of my life, I had to change high schools for my senior year. I had to change colleges after my freshman year. I had to mainly because of, you know, my parents and, you know, what was going on with that. So this this was important to me. The white picket fences was important because it's not important. And that's the whole that's the point, like a white picket fence that that American dream is beautiful, but you can't let it lock you in it, You can't let it limit you. And um, Navy brats are never limited military brats. They're always out for the adventure. They're always ready because we had to be take that one box with us to the next house. And I do talk about Julie and why she she wanted so badly. Um, I'm the second oldest in my family, so this didn't really happen to me, but I saw it happen in my family. But as each kid went to college, they kind of got left in the state, the last place my parents were. You know, one daughter was in Virginia. I went started school in Virginia, ended up in Kentucky, because at that point, my my dad was my family was in Kentucky. And then, you know, then another kid got dropped off in Massachusetts and then another. So um, the important part to Julie was that seeing that empty room after her family tragedy um, meant that nobody was coming back. And and she has a hard time with that. And it was because she lost her siblings to the colleges along the way. Because she was, in the book, she's the youngest. So um,
0: I it's lo- something I love, important. Yeah, I, I think it's it's important. I like that you think that you also serve. I, I, I like that phraseology. Because certainly because your father served your childhood and your mom's marriage was all very, very different than uh, people who could have opted for that white picket fence from the, get-go. But you also Mm -hmm. talk about that's the forever home, the permanent home, but it also can really serve as a trap.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. It fences you in. And Pat Conroy actually did a um, a little thing, and I have a saying of his here, because he did, um, narrated a a documentary on military brats. Um, and, um, And he's the one where I heard that they, you know, military, the brats serve as well as the family. Um, but now what was your question again?
0: Well, (laughs) well, I think that what we were talking about was just the idea of, you know, that you, that you do also serve, but that Mm -hmm. there is, um, that fencing in capability that, um, you were saying that never happens because you're always ready. For You're all,
1: always moving. And funny, the comments. Um, I've had a lot of bookstagrammers and stuff um highlight the book and ask people comments like, did you move around? And did you and people are like, Oh, I I never moved and I'll never move. And pe- some people were like, Oh, yeah, this is like the 30th house I lived in. Um, I do believe it informs you on. Different parts of your life, the the, the two di- the, you know it, the, excuse me, two dichotomies of um. I. I am a mover. I mean, my husband and I have been married thirty years. I think we've owned twenty-five homes. I mean, and some for fifteen years. I, it's just it's that doesn't bother me. It's not a thing. You know, I'd rather be with people than places. I've learned so, you know, I keep moving around. <laughs>
0: Part of the theme of your work is about being seen for those people who are invisible and underappreciated. I think that's a very powerful theme. Why did you hit on that?
1: Um, Because I believe that's a mother's MO, this unconditional love that you got to take the beatings and you still got to be there for them. And I have no problem with that. Um, As long as everybody's realizing that's a role a mother plays. And that's, and I tried to do show that, that, that whole premise between the twin daughters about how one behaves with her mother and how the other one behaves with her mother. So that you can see this, the sacrificing and the nail biting and the internalizing that the mother does just to keep peace. And, you know, we want everybody happy in spite of ourselves. And that makes life hard down the line
0: because then who's
1: miserable? You.
0: It's such an honest look at motherhood, I think.
1: I think so, I hope so. That was my point with that, yeah, yeah.
0: So how has becoming a novelist changed your life?
1: I went from zero to 100 really fast. It's it's changed my life. It's something I've always dreamed of, never thought would happen. Um, I have more respect for myself. Um, I have, you know, I was, I worked in physical therapy so that I could work a flexible job. I worked for an agency so that if my kid was sick, I could call in and not feel guilty. Um, lucky for me, I worked for an agency, but worked in the same facility forever. So it worked for me. Um, but I feel that, um, it's been a process. Uh, I've been doing it since 2014 almost 10 years now. And I just published my first book. If my daughter wa- or my son wanted a book published 20 years ago, it would have been done in six months because <laughs> that's what we did. you know. Um, sure. So this has been a process because I don't know what I don't know. And I am a bad, that's a hang up of mine. So, which is why I take so many classes and which is why I'm interested in the mind, I think, um, and, and why I'm interested in teaching this class and, and writing more books is everything's
0: a learning thing.
1: And I don't know, what I don't know. So let's find something else. And that's kind of my jumping in stuff
0: too. Well, you've also surrounded yourself with um, other authors, the Women's Fiction Writers Association, of which you and I are both members. How has the community of authors lifted you up?
1: Oh, Incredibly. The, uh, the, 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 the Women's write, Fiction writer Association, I I have met my critique partner and we met in Albuquerque and found out she lived 20 minutes from me in Georgia, which is so funny. Um, we I have a meeting every three, um, about every three months here with the local groups in Southwest Florida. We kind of keep in touch with the East Coast group. Um, it's just to have support now when there's so many unknowns and we're all in the same boat, and we all feel like we have writer's block, and we all feel like we have imposter syndromes, it's great. It's a party.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have certainly found that the um, Women's Fiction Writers Association, the authors that I've met, and people like you to be on my show has changed my writing life. So I'm so glad you were able to join us on the Storyteller's Microphone today.
1: Thank you for having us, (laughs) me.
0: Well, I hope people check out Kyle's White Picket Fences and check out her creative writing course. And this has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode, because... When our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.